0: Isaiah 58, and we're going to read from verse 6 to halfway through verse 9. This is God's word. No, this is the kind of fast I want. This is God speaking. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then you will call. The Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. We're going to be thinking this morning a bit about justice, and and what does God say about justice, and we're going to be thinking about why is there injustice in the world? Where does it come from? Uh, We're going to be looking at why we as a church, Foundation Church, why should we pursue justice? And, And fourthly, we're going to look at how can we pursue justice. So what is justice this morning? Why is there injustice? Why should we pursue justice, and how should we pursue it, all right? So that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. What is justice? Justice is kind of a hot topic, you could say. I don't know if you saw in the news, actually, over the last few days, there's been some huge demonstrations across the globe in in major cities in Europe and and Africa and, and elsewhere further afield, young people, mostly, under the age of... 20, 25, some even in school, leaving their schools, protesting en masse tens of thousands of children and young adults seeking justice on the subject of climate change. You know, they are alarmed, uh, many rightly so, alarmed uh, at what they're hearing and seeing and thinking that there's not enough being done by our politicians and our leaders and the big businesses, so they are taking to the streets seeking justice for the globe, for the climate, for the environment. And, and there's many uh, similar demonstrations of people seeking justice. It might might you heard of justice for the 96. You know, those 96 people who, who died tragically during the Hillsborough, the Hillsborough tragedy, really, uh, back in the 1980s when uh, football fans lost their lives. Um, you might hear of people seeking justice, you know, who've been uh, somehow connected or mixed up with the troubles over the last 30 years or so, seeking justice um, for those who have received injustice. But we need to get right back to basics this morning and ask ourselves what actually is justice because justice means many things to many people they have different ideas of justice and yet we use the same word to describe justice so what is justice and here i've got a little uh, uh, definition i've put together that we're going to use as a working definition this morning for justice and this is what justice is justice is the right ordering of a system around a principle agreed as the norm Say it again. Justice is the right ordering of a system around a principle agreed as the norm. So it is people acting according to what it should be like. You know, uh, as they have a vision, an idea, a principle, and that's something that we we live towards and we operate around. Um, for example, uh, most people uh, in, in particularly in this part of the world will believe as a principle. <laughs> There should be free health care for all people. Free health care for all people, irrespective of who you are and how much money you have and where you were born and what you look like. Free healthcare for all. And if there is not free health care for all, or if there's a, a problem with you accessing free healthcare, then that is injustice. Do you see what I mean? We, we believe in the central principle, free health care for all. And when, that is not, when, when people are not getting healthcare, there is injustice. And we want to take steps to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, likewise, you know, we might say it is not okay to use a human being as a commodity, as a thing or as an object. That is not okay. And so, um, you know, when we are acting as if that is true, there is justice. If we are acting as if that is untrue or, or out of sync with that, then there is injustice when we start using people as a commodity as, rather than um, as precious human beings in the sight of God. Okay? So when things are acting and behaving as they should be, we've got justice, and things are going well, and that's good. And when we've got justice, we say life is flourishing, it's just working, everything's clicking, society is working well, goodness and beauty are are, are growing among us. That's just a wonderful thing. So what is justice is the right ordering of a system around a principle agreed as the norm, okay? That's important. Because any society or political system or community or group of people have a view on what justice is. And justice requires a, a, a standard reference point. Okay? Um, in order for us to understand justice and to do justice, we have to have a, a point of reference. Um, but the question I want to think about for a few moments is, who decides what that point of reference is? Who decides what is right or wrong? Um, what, what is just or unjust? Um, is it society that decides together? what is right and what is wrong? And then we all behave according to what society thinks. Is it the government that decides what is right or what is wrong? And we all behave according to what the government tells us to do. Is it those with power, you know, the social elites of our culture uh, who decide what is right or wrong, those influencers? And then we follow them and we, we, you know, we, we behave in the way that they think we should behave. You see, societies or groups of people have a way of deciding what is right or what is wrong. But the problem is this. Uh, What is just, you know, what is right for one group of people or one society may not be just or right or good for another group of people or society. They might have different standards. And that's that's a, a problem, as you can probably tell. That's where disputes come from. That's where wars come from. Who is right? Whose form of justice is the best? Is it the one with more guns? Is it the ones with more power? Is it the ones with more money? Who gets to decide what is right and what is wrong in this world? But you see, Christianity... Uh, locates justice beginning with God. God is the reference point for justice within the Christian faith. He is the standard. He is the measure by which we, uh, you know, bring all things to bear. Uh, God is there and God is not silent. God is a God, according to Christianity, who speaks, who reveals, who, who speaks about himself. There is no one beyond God, right? He is our fixed point of reference. If there was something or someone or some other power beyond God, then God would not be our ultimate source of authority. According to the Bible, God is a God of love. He's a God of power. He's a God of freedom. And out of his love and his power and his freedom, he created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. Uh, Out of great delight from his heart, he created all things in the universe, both seen and unseen. Uh, Creation to God is is as if it's a great canvas. And he is the, the painter And and the more you look at the complexity and the the wonder of our created order, you see this astonishing diversity in God's creation. And yet, uh, whether it's in the realm of astrophysics or microbiology or any form of science, you will see this wonderful order, this perfect balance, as if someone has calculated it specifically to function in the way it does. Everything is in motion. Everything Uh, has a pulse, has a beat, has a rhythm from the complex ecosystems of our world through to the planetary bodies out there in the sky or the subatomic particles. They are all dancing. They are all moving. They are all interacting, not at random. They all have a place. They all have a purpose. They all interact with one another. And this is the astonishing complexity of God's creation, according to the Bible. And at the, the, the peak of that created power and intensity and purpose, uh, we are told at the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 1:26, then, when God had made all of this, all of this created order, he says, let us, he's talking to himself, let us make mankind, humankind, in our image, in our likeness. And let us give them Ability to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and everything in the ground and that slithers along the ground. Let us make mankind in our image. And so as we've been seeing over the last few weeks through the Ten Commandments, human beings are made in the image of God. As individuals, every individual in this room is an image bearer of God, the almighty creator. Did you know that? Because that's what the Bible teaches. It is a fundamental principle that every individual human being is an image bearer of God. And yet there is more. Because when human beings are together, when they live in community, whether it's through the marriage of a husband and wife or through the local church or through a city, uh, the more human beings are together and interacting with one another and loving one another, the more they are imaging God. Because God is community as well as an individual. Right? Right? And so human beings, we are told, are to rule over the fish and the sea and the birds. And that's, that's sort of uh, you know, Bible language for ruling over the rest of creation in God's place. They are to bring out goodness and flourishing and life from all of the created order. That's our job. And you know, to use modern language, we are to build culture. That's what that's all about, to, to bring goodness that's where the word culture comes from, right? Agriculture is bringing goodness from the ground. That's our, that's our role as human beings. And we, we play that out in a million different ways. And so according to the Bible, uh, justice comes from God's character and justice is all of creation from the, from the planets to the subatomic particles to you and I interacting in society. Everything is to be uh, established and working along the lines that God intended for it to flourish. That is justice according to God. We are to live in this perfectly interlaced, dynamically interacting with the rest of creation. Us as human beings are to enjoy him, we're to reflect God, we're to glorify him. That's what justice is according to God. In the Bible, uh, justice and righteousness are, are the same concept. We, we sort of give them two different English words, and yet they are the same concept. It's all about being in a right relationship with God, in a right relationship with each other, in a right relationship uh, with creation. And when that ticks, when it, when it clicks, then we are living in justice. We are enjoying God's justice as he intended. It's as if we are dancing to the, da- the great dance that he has set us on, or rather, you know, we are, we are playing in the great symphony that God has, has uh, created for us to play, each with our own instruments, each playing uh, beautiful music in a, different, in a different way. So what is God's justice? It is when all of creation lives along the, li- the lines that God intended to glorify him and to reflect him to each other. That is God's justice. And so then you can think, when we don't have that, when we're not living according to those lines that God has established, then we have a problem. There is injustice. So we're going to be thinking now about why is there injustice? Because it's one thing establishing a a reference point, you know, for justice to exist. But it's another thing to give a reason why there is so much injustice in the world. Because if justice is obvious, if it's good and right and everybody loves it, then why is the world such a mess? Why is there injustice everywhere? Why is there human trafficking and slavery? if justice is that wonderful and good. The Bible, of course, gives us more information about that. It says that um, justice uh, has been given to us by God, and yet there is injustice, because that perfect ordering of all things that he he has created, that perfect interaction, that great dance that he has placed everybody into uh, to take a part of, that has been disrupted That has been flawed because of human sin. Human sin. Way back at the beginning of humanity, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, we read that humanity decided to concoct their own version of right and wrong. They rebelled against God's perfect, wonderful justice, and they started to define justice in their own terms. They stepped out of the dance. They started playing to a different tune, And and you can just imagine now, because of their position in all of creation, their position as lead dancers or, or lead musicians in the great symphony, when they started to play a different tune or dance a different dance, everyone else and everything else behind them started to screech. You know, if you start listening to someone who's just picking up the violin for the first time, it is not a beautiful noise at all. That is the effect upon God's symphony with our sin. Screeching, a mess, dissonance instead of harmony, we could say. The whole order was corrupted because of our sin. So why is there injustice? Well, because of the, according to the Bible, there is injustice because of you and I and millions more, billions more people like us from the beginning of time up until now. We have tried to define justice in our own terms, looking for our own glory rather than God's, establishing our own kingdoms rather than his, being about our power rather than his, our might rather than his. That's why there's injustice. And again, that's played out in a billion different ways. That relationship between us and God is messed up. That relationship between us and one another and community as human beings is messed up. That relationship between us and the created order is is messed up, fractured, it's all corrupted because of our our sinfulness and our rebellion. And so now it's no longer this perfect unity, this wonderful dance, this, this beautiful symphony that's being played. Now it is a case of the strong eating the weak. You know, if you've got power, you should exploit it. If you've got might, you should use it. Because it's all about yourself, your gain, your kingdom, your glory. That's why there's wars. That's why there's poverty. That's why there's violence. That's why there is abuse. That's why there is inequality. That's why there is oppression. That is why the climate is at almost a catastrophic uh, point in all of our known history. That's why there is depletion of all the much of the earth's natural resources. This is played out by nations. This is played out by societies, governments, political systems. And yes, we as individuals, we want it for ourselves. We want the glory. We want to define what is right and wrong. And we will use whatever and whoever we can get to get what we need. That is injustice. That is injustice. According to International Justice Mission, there are over 40 million people held in slavery today. That is more than the population of Canada enslaved. One in four of those slaves, so that's 10 million, is a child. Human trafficking apparently generates about $150 billion a year. That is people making money through injustice. That's why they do it. Two thirds of that 150 billion comes from commercial sexual exploitation. According to IJM, a child goes missing in India every eight minutes. Eight minutes, can you believe that? Nearly half of them are never found. I had the pleasure of visiting Ghana in West Africa almost a year ago. Uh, Ghana is a wonderful country. Um, it is a country that uh, a, has a population of just over 25 million people. It is a young country. It is, in many respects, a flourishing country by African standards. There's peace. Uh, there is, there is uh, you know, stability from a political level. And yet, one in ten people in the country of Ghana lives on less than one pound fifty a day. I just bought some chewing gum on the way here to church. That costs 60p. So if you times that by two, that's how much money 10% of Ghanaians have to live on. An estimated 50,000 children work in Ghana's fishing industry, with tens of thousands working on Lake Volta alone. Lake Volta is the largest man-made lake in the whole world, and I went on it. It is the area of of great... uh, fishing, uh, a lot of commerce, a lot of trade is done, but also has the, the dark aspect of a lot of trafficking because children are taken, they are offered up, um, they, are, they are caught up in the fishing industry and used as slave labor, working seven days a week, 18 hours a day, hardly any rest, incredibly um, a high mortality rate, treated like animals. Boys like Foley. Foley was nine years old when his grandfather was injured. He, he only knew his grandfather, he was, he was his parents had both died. But when his grandfather was injured, he could not look after Foley. And so his grandfather agreed to send Foley away with a family friend. And his family friend promised to look after Foley. Let's give him school, and food, and help. But no sooner had Foley been removed from his grandfather by this family friend, Foley was instantly swept up into the system of forced labor on the Volta Lake in Ghana. After two years of backbreaking, seven days a week work for a boy of nine, how old are you Isaac? Nine, he's nine, for a boy of his age, IJM found him. So we'll see what happened to him when he was discovered. True story. I played that movie. There are so many movies that IGN put out of stories of rescue. But I chose that one because not only have I been to Ghana, but I've been to that village. And the old man that played the grandfather was one of the pastors of the church in that region of Volta. So I've met him and I've shook hands with him. And that actually happened when Foley was returned back to his village. They all turned out and had a a massive party for him, because you know well, he's he's lost, right? And now he's been found. And that's a reason to celebrate. He mentioned in the prayer, and that was a prayer that Foley actually wrote <clears throat> during his rehabilitation. And he said, "Lord, you know, God, protect me from the deep place." What is what is the deep place? That movie is called The Deep Place. The deep place is that dark part in the, in the lake. That often small boys are sent down to untangle the nets. You saw on the lake what looked like trees sort of poking up. That's because the lake was, um, as I mentioned earlier, man-made and it was uh, flooded in order to fill it with water. Uh, But the trees that were there in the valley were never removed, they just remained there. And so a lot of the time the the fishing nets would get caught in the dark place, in 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 the deepest part. And so these boys, one of their jobs would be to swim down and unhook the nets that were tangled. And unfortunately, because of the risk and, and the lack of safety precautions, obviously, many did not come back up again. They got ensnared themselves and, and died. Why should Christians, why should we as a church pursue justice? Christianity as presented to us in the Bible, gives brilliant reasons for us to pursue justice in the name of God. In fact, I I would submit to you that Christianity provides the deepest motivation and the highest reason why we as a church should pursue justice. Here are three reasons why that matters, and that's not okay. Number one, Christianity teaches that all people are made in the image of God. Just been thinking about this. Irrespective of their age, irrespective of their social level, irrespective of their ethnicity, irrespective of their mental ability, irrespective of their beliefs, irrespective of whether they are inside or outside of the womb, all people are made in the image of God. And therefore, every human being that you will ever, ever, ever meet has immense dignity and worth and value because he or she is made in the image of God. And because of that doctrine, that teaching of, of Christianity and the Christian faith, we, treating a person as a commodity is an offence to God who made them in his image. We are offending God. God is reflected in every human being. So every time a human being is oppressed or abused or manipulated for personal gain, it is an offence against God. And God's anger and wrath burns against the individual or people or structures that oppress those made in God's image. So instead, instead... Because of this teaching, we look to bring justice for all people, to restore their dignity, to affirm their worth and their value. And if they are oppressed, we seek to set them free in the name of Jesus. We pursue justice because all people are made in God's image. Number two, we pursue justice because we are called as a church to live out kingdom ethics. What do I mean by that? That passage that we read from Isaiah 58 is God speaking to His people, saying, "I know you—you you are doing religion and all of your, uh, you know, structures and all of your sacrificial systems and all of the routines that you go through. And that's, you know, that's one thing He says to them. But that's not what I am primarily interested in. I—I I, I want you." The kind of you know, religion, the kind of fasting I want is that you free those who are wrongly imprisoned. You lighten the burden of those who work for you. You let the oppressed go free. You share your food with the hungry. You give shelter to the homeless. Get that in place first because that other stuff I'm not going to accept. It means nothing to me, says God, if you are neglecting this stuff, this core, central way that you treat other people. Jesus put it this way. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Otherwise, and his justice. Seek first the kingdom values of God. That harmonious, grace-based relationships. I want you as the church to seek that above all things, first in your life. Or James puts it another way. He says this, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and keep yourself from being polluted by the world. In other words, bring justice to the weak and vulnerable. And don't you go getting messed up in injustice yourself. This is ordinary behavior, folks, for the church. This is how disciples of Jesus must behave ordinarily. We bring food, we bring shelter, we free the oppressed, we seek justice wherever we see injustice. We are called to live out kingdom ethics. Thirdly and finally, and I think this is probably the greatest reason, we pursue justice because God pursued justice for us. Remember, remember as people, as human, humanity, we were created to build a just society, one that is righteous, one that is in right relationship to God and one another and, and, and the rest of the created order. We have to dance to the beat of God's justice and yet because of our sin, we, we left the party, we, we left the dance, we turned against God instead and we treated other people as, as objects and we sinned and we rebelled against God and, and God, because he is just and because he is holy and because he is rightly angry against injustice, he could have you know, brought down fire and destroyed a lot of us and started again. He could have done that. He could have brought down justice on rebellious humanity. But God as we know in the Bible, chose an entirely surprising and wonderful and different course than that. The Apostle Paul puts it like this, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, listen to this, so that God could be just and the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. What is Paul saying there? What is he saying? He's saying that God chose a way that it was infinitely more costly to him because he gave his son, his only son, as a sacrifice so that God could be holy and completely just, punishing wrongdoing, and yet he could make us just. He could justify us. And so God, in the gospel, punished injustice when Jesus willingly took the punishment for our injustice upon himself. And he became the source of God's wrath or rather the, you know, the, the, uh, the focus of God's wrath, his anger against injustice. It was put on Jesus on the cross as opposed to you and I and the rest of humanity. But God, through the cross, because of Jesus, declares you and I and everyone who has faith in Jesus, he declares you just. He declares you righteous through faith in Jesus. Here is the gospel, folks. Through our faith in Jesus, we are invited back into the dance. We are, we are to take up our place. We're allowed to take our place against uh, once again in the symphony of God's justice. Through Jesus, you are reclaimed. Through Jesus, you are set free. Through Jesus, you are won back. And, and see, folks, when you see that, when you, when you see that and you take it into your heart by faith and you make that central truth the most central and important thing in all of your life, then when you get that, you will be radically changed from the inside out and you will want to pursue justice because you have been declared just by God because Jesus took your sins on the cross. And so when you look at the cross, when you look at the good news of Jesus and what he's done, you will say, when I look at what God has done to bring justice for me, when I, when I realise how I have been treated, when I, when I realise that I have not been treated as my sins deserve if God does that for me, then I'm going to live justly for him. I'm going to live out justice. I'm going to seek justice where I can with the resources I have been given and the opportunities that he places in front of me because of what God has done for me. You have no case to answer. You you have no sin remaining to be punished because Jesus has done it all. Why should we pursue justice? Because every human being is made in God's image. It is the call to kingdom ethics. And because God pursued justice for you. Fourthly, then and finally, let's think now practically about how we as Foundation Church, as young and as small as we are, how can we pursue justice as a church? International Justice Mission are all about seeking justice for those who have no justice. Justice. They work across 20 countries or communities around the globe, whether it is against bonded labor, you know, people stuck in, 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 in cycles of, of, of forced labor for, for years and generations, whether it is uh, advocating for widows who've had their property taken off of them, whether it is against child trafficking, whether it is against cyber sex trafficking, IJM are about bringing the justice of God to bear upon injustice in our world. And it works, folks. It works. Sex trafficking in the Philippines is down by 79% in the city of Cebu, down by 75% in the city of Manila, down by 86% in the city of Papanga because of the interventions and the actions of IJM and local law enforcement. It works. More than 1,700 convictions have successfully been brought and prosecuted against slave owners, rapists, and other criminals. That is justice. More than 67,000 justice system officials, police, you know, um, legal profess- profession, all those 67,000 have been trained across the globe to recognize and respond to violence and oppression since 2012, 2012. In Ghana, the country that you saw on the screen and that I visited, they are regularly rescuing boys like Foley and some girls off of the lake. I spoke to the director of IJM Ghana, a guy called Will Lathrop. And he said that he is confident that, within five years, we can eradicate slavery across the entire region of Volta. Five years gone through the work of IJM. In Ghana, just last month, they held their first national justice conference With politicians in attendance, a High Court judge, the second lady of Ghana was there. Police chiefs, over 500 delegates attended the justice conferences. Justice is coming in Ghana. I just got an email last week in preparation for today from someone within IJM Ghana who told me that, you know, it's great having all these wonderful dignitaries and politicians coming and, and wonderful that they are hearing and, and against um, slavery within their own country. But he also told me that eight young boys who were rescued in 2018 have just graduated from the survivor training that they receive following their rescue. And this is what he wrote. <clears throat> all eight children demonstrated high levels of resilience and were able to share their stories with strength, something that was difficult for them early on in their recovery. The children learned about their right to be safe and protected from crimes like child labor and trafficking, and they learned techniques for relaxing and coping with negative thoughts. Previously, the children reported that talking about the pain of their past would make them angry with themselves, but they are now learning to share their stories without self-reproach. One child said, when I first came here, because of my experiences on the lake, I used to get angry at the least provocation. But through these sessions, I have now learned how I can positively express my anger without hurting others in the process. Aftercare staff have have observed these boys' increased assertiveness and positive behavior, testament to their growing ability to overcome the trauma of their past. Folks, the scale of injustice in our world is massive. And it is easy for us in some ways to become disillusioned, millions caught up, four billion people live outside the protection of law in their own country. But I came across this startling phrase. We cannot do everything, but we must not do nothing. So how can we respond to this great need and this wonderful opportunity to be about the justice of God? According to one of the fathers of early um, church missions uh, and the eradication of slavery, William Wilberforce, he said to eradicate slavery, you need three things. You need money, prayer, and awareness. And that's what IJM uh, need from us as a church. So how can we respond as a church? Well, first of all, uh, you will see on your seats, most of you will have this on your seats, there's a little uh, card, there's two bits of paper. The smaller of the two, this one here says pray on the front, it's how you can get involved, first of all, by praying for God's justice to, to come and uh, across the world through the ministry of IJM. And I would encourage every single one of you, if you haven't already signed up to this, to um, stick your name and address and details on the back of that. You can opt in or opt out to various things. Um, But you will receive regular updates from International Justice Mission about how you can specifically pray for justice to come um, through their ministry across the world. So first of all, we can respond as a church in prayer. So I would encourage all of you um, to sign up for this. There's pens on your seats as well to do that. Uh, shortly. The second thing that we can do as people in our church is to sign up or consider signing up to become a freedom partner. A freedom partner is someone who, who gives a regular financial contribution every month to the work of International Justice Mission. Uh, but the cool thing about this is that they don't tell you how much to give. Um, it's recommended that about £15 pounds a month will be will be a great place to land, but, for, but that might be too much for you. It might be Something you might want to give more than that—that's okay. But something in and around there is what they they recommend, and you can sign up to give regular um, financial contributions to the ministry. This really is the backbone uh, of their uh, resourcing, and you know allows them to do uh, their work uh, effectively over the globe. Let's just watch this video together. Right now, there are people trapped. So you can do that right now, uh, you can do that today in today's meeting, uh, if you wanna fill that out and uh, think about what you want to contribute, you're very welcome to do that. There's a basket at the back, just on your way out. Um, if, you, if you do wanna um, either sign up for the prayer um, community or if you want to become a, um, a freedom partner, then place your, your completed envelopes uh, and we'll send them all off together or if you wanna send them separately, that's fine by you, by me too. Um, Likewise, if you want to take that home and think about it and talk in your family about what you want to do, then please um, think about that as well as you go. Prayer, money and awareness. Um, International Justice Mission has great facilities if you're into social media, great website stuff, great blogs. So again, just just interact with their material, share it with your friends, send the videos to people who you know whose hearts are wired up uh, to seek justice. Uh, raise awareness. And we'll do that as we go on as a church more and more through events and all sorts of things. Let's pray. Do you want to stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for creating us in your image. We thank you for the significance that gives every single man, woman, and child across this entire globe as we stand right now. Father God, we, we, we are saddened by the effects of sin. We are saddened by injustice. Lord, we are angry about injustice when we see it in this horrible form uh, against the oppressed, against the the weak and the vulnerable. And so, Father, we pray that your justice will come. We pray for the work of International Justice Mission, that they will go from strength to strength. We pray that that 67,000 people who are trained uh, in in, uh, detection uh, will double Lord, we pray that the number of rescues will increase. Lord, we pray that that number of 40 million slaves across the world will reduce because your justice is being done. And we pray for International Justice Mission and all those partners that they work with in various countries. Father, forgive us for turning a blind eye when we could do something and we choose to do nothing. Help us, Lord, to know that you have treated us with justice through giving your son, your only son, so that you might be just punishing sin and yet freeing us so that we can go and seek justice in your name. So Father God, we pray that you would ignite our passion for justice as a church. Would you teach us by your spirit, each individual person, how we can respond, how we can seek justice in your name. Father God, would you speak to us now as we come to respond uh, through song, declaring that you alone can rescue And as we come to eat the bread and drink the wine, which points to your justice, the justice that you placed upon your own son in our place. We thank you for him. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.